My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. the last episode where I've been exploring what I call the well of being and the development of children, but also the parallel development in adults healing and working with regenerative practice at the level of the individual and at the level of the systems the individual lives within, the education, the work system, the family system and so on, I was passing through the tweens, the ages of 11, 12, and so on. And I'm moving on now into the real beginning of actual adolescence in terms of 13 to 15, something like that, and looking at the experiences and needs and trying again as I explore this to imagine what do we consider to be the best environment, the optimal development, and what might we need to glean from that understanding of that part of our life if we need to go back and revisit in some way or just take some inspiration from what that need is that time in our lives and and sometimes we still need those things and we have to revisit them like last time I was talking about the revisiting of the need for mentorship and support and encouragement at any time in our lives can be something we might need to notice that we have a lack of. So what we characterize this, this sort of early teenage years is really the crux of identity formation. And that identity formation has been influenced, as I've talked about in earlier threads, by what has been reflected and possible in the environment around the child. And that comes, as I say, from the family environment, socioeconomic environment, and the educational environment that is around for the child. But it's definitely the place where the testing out of themselves that children are doing is what they're able for, what they're able to do emotionally, socially, practically, in their thought, in their in their environment. And they, they can begin to really move into being capable of a level of self-care, 
of taking on things and and stepping up as like part of the adult world. And in a lot of cultures, there were rituals that marked that age group of the kind of 13 to 15-year-olds as adults. And religiously in some cultures, that's still when they're counted as part of the adult world. I know within the Jewish tradition of Bar or no Bat Mitzvah, they children of would go through that acceptance into the adult religiously they were adults and they could be counted when a group was needed to come together and do something communal so a group of 10 adults for the prayers for the dead for example that once children had gone through that transition so there's something there about rites of passage in the thread that I read the story that I wrote years ago, I'm playing with that idea of a rite of passage that's happening and that's being witnessed and designing rites of passage because there's, what does that mean, that passage from childhood to adulthood and the idea of a metaphor for that being given to young people while they're still children, they're still in the care of the adults of their community, maybe only in much older cultures, my children have stepped fully into adulthood and certainly in those upper ages of 15 and 16, you would have had children marrying. In some cultures in the world, child brides exist and existed. So the capability for young women coming into menses, for young men coming into kind of sexual, physical development and being able to produce children. So that is part of this stage, is the the real physical changes that start taking place in terms of fertility in the body. And that's really an interesting crux because in our world, in the modern world, where you have an awareness of something much more ancient, which is the different niches of gender and sexuality that did exist in prehistory, that did exist in indigenous cultures and where had words, had their own form of, of identity formation within a culture and names within a culture. We're kind of coming back to that about what might it mean and also because of the changes in what's possible with medical interventions of, of suspending actually sexual development potentially for a child who is transgender and wants to not have adolescents bring out sex characteristics in the body. That's a whole broader conversation and something to definitely be aware of if you are parenting and part of young people's lives in the Western world particularly, but all over the world today where those options are becoming more possible, something to, to be having conversations with the young people and with each other about. But let's say that those identities are being formulated, then these rituals of declaration in a way of, yes, you have matured into being able to know more about what your identity is and declare that we welcome you into the group. I think that's a really important piece of the potential for 
self-identity to, to grow. And it's really a vulnerable time if that doesn't happen. And, and it is a time when people refer to their own adolescence and they look back that usually when you hear of the struggles and challenges, they're either beginning right at that time, visible at age 14, 15, or if they're not, if they're suppressing what's going on in that identity formation because of a not safe and secure environment. And that's not just within sexual identity or gender identity that I've referenced a minute ago, but also identify as an artist, identify as an intellectual, depending on what your environment is. There's a, you know many coming of age movies that put that juxtaposition and show that struggle of what if you're the odd one out in your peer group or your community group. So the, the story that's told of the dancer from working class northern England of Billy Elliot or other stories that have that same kind of a theme where it's like, no, you, you can't be that thing if there isn't acceptance within your community. So this is the time where it may become apparent that there are these personalities and these abilities and these drives to identify in different ways. And if it isn't expressed, then often it's actually what I'll touch on the next episode is the next stage of adolescence, the kind of 16, 17-year-old. And often that is where real trouble starts to be more manifested, but it can be beginning at this same earlier age in the beginning of acting out emotions and acting out things that are a challenge or traumas that have happened. This is, it, it sort of bursts out of the, the forces of growth towards adulthood. It, it can't almost be restrained if there are things simmering underneath, if there are things that need to be explored. It's, it's hard to hold them back. And it's why we think of this age of being whole thing to hold. And in some cases, because of the industrialized school system, you know, that comes out of colonial Ireland and in the Victorian idea of children being seen and not heard, you know, the whole system of creating workers in a, in a school is it's where the measure of control comes. And in the beginning of the first strikes of unions and strikes of workers, fighting against industrialized conditions. There were schoolboy strikes in Northern England and Scotland and them demanding their demands of no more corporal punishment and no more homework and different things like this. And they were there's articles in the paper of the time where they're completely ridiculing the rights of children, saying that when they get them back into school, they'll be taught their lesson all right and implying the corporal punishment of the day. So there's this feeling that, you know, kids of this age will be able to give voice to some things. And of course you have the quieter children, the shyer children, and they're also all trying to do this within a different types of social settings and different types of peer groups and age groups. And one of the other things that that industrialized model of the school system did was put children together of all the same age. And most people in the world today have been schooled with children of the same age. And that seems, therefore, a norm. It seems like, oh, that's how it always was. But of course, if the environment for education 
was communal or a village or some other form of education, it wasn't necessary that people would only be at the same age. And I think one of the things that that causes is all of what we call peer pressure, but also what we kind of call gangs of kids because they're looking for some of those rites of passage that may have disappeared from cultures to still face the transition themselves. And so you get kids making essentially their own rites of passage, some healthy, some not, and all really from this kind of impetus towards declaring themselves. So they they may start following a particular music scene would be a modern manifestation or maybe a particular social movement. And that sort of grows as they go through to the older ages, the kind of 15-year-olds start really knowing a bit about who they see themselves as being and who their tribe is. One of the challenges is that the peers can be quite merciless and that the idea of trying stuff out and having struggles means as well that if a child thinks I'm going to be such a thing and then they they come up against their own ability and their own capacity or their own economic circumstance, barriers or setbacks and failures. And that can be really difficult if that's only held within their same age, whether that's a mental health struggle or whether that's an academic struggle or whatever kinds of struggles, it's it's really hard if they don't have the continuum of elders, of mentors and younger children who can still adore them and value them in a way that maybe at different moments they feel not accepted within whatever peer group they've been artificially essentially created and 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 sort of said, there's your peer group now, get along with each other. In the better education systems, there's more blending. There's something that's being discovered is that intergenerational interaction is critically important for this stage as well of self-identity, seeing different people who might indicate to you that there exists in the world a niche for who you might be. This is something that has come about in the modern world of the communication between this age group and each other across the whole world. Because this is allowing them to try on new personas and put them out in the world. So like literally to create an avatar of themselves and not real self, but some expression of an aspect of themselves and put this out in the world and have it interacted with, but also to be able to change it, to be able to completely shift, as is often the case, these kind of being into one thing and then changing and being into something else completely. But also to find people unlike what happened in the story of Billy Elliot, where the this young boy is in a factory industrial area and he wants to dance and eventually he, he wants to do ballet. And the story is told of that struggle and the pain of that and and the the rejection of that by his father and by his peers. But now a young Billy Elliot could potentially find other ballet dancing kids who've been rejected by their social environment 
and connect in some way or their sexual identity. And I think that's why we're hearing more and more from that generation. And the words and the language is almost inaccessible for a lot of adults who didn't have so much range of possible niche of possible tribe to find whether that's through disability advocacy and self-advocacy or socioeconomic coalitions or whatever it is, this is the age that instead of just having this limited peer group or if you're very lucky to have the wider communal family village group that gives you some idea that, oh, my great uncle was an artist, somebody out there was an adventurer or whatever, whatever it seems isn't possible that maybe you've got some examples. Whereas, yeah, now young people of that age, having access to this international connection through the internet, I think that's something to think about because there is a tendency within parents to be very worried with real grounds about young people of that age group having access. You know, what are they getting up to? Who are they hanging out with? I think it's still helpful if your young people are connecting to the world that way to be able to check in with who are they connecting with and is there any risk factors and is there any, just like you would in the world, is there any grooming going on by someone who wishes to do damage to what is a vulnerable young person or a vulnerable age? So the vigilance that was always there through a network of the neighborhood, the neighbor network of care and family network of care, the caring community still needs to be there. But it is interesting. And I think it's something, if you're working on a healing journey of your own, it is, it's a real rich pickings to go back and think about what were the identities that you thought of trying on, that you did or didn't get to explore, and how were they responded to when you had these proto-identities kind of coming for you and where could you still find a tribe now? And that is equally true in the world of the the many different communities and peer groups and, you know, whether it's anarchist collective artist groups or whether it's people who love classical philharmonic art, or, you know, that whatever it is, it, there's still expressions of that. And I guess that's the other thing about this stage is the ability to connect to the creative arts and to sports and to things that are trying out different senses of both the, the body, the mind, and the emotions kind of synthesized across many of those outlets. We often talk about outlets for children of that age, but Again, I've seen people who, for various reasons, didn't get to have that, either economic or other kinds of reason. It's to something to consider re-exploring what, what would you have liked to get to do and can you still access that anywhere in the world? And that, I think, the last one to think about are the causes that you cared about then and that you might want to catch up with again and, and still lend your adult self to that can be something I think quite healing for your inner adolescent is kind of to be the ally of maybe things that you didn't understand at the time or didn't know you were excluded from or being oppressed by is to be a good ally in the world to 
others like you and other adolescents that are in the world and, and kind of hopefully reclaim not just for yourself, but for our communities, a more tolerant, inclusive and much more diverse in terms of identity world that we can live in.